4: It is our number two of prime time action on a Thursday night from Las Vegas. South Point Sportsbook Studio as we welcome you back in with Adam Burke, who is at Skating Tripods. That's his Twitter handle, by the way. Wyatt Tomchek behind the glass filling in for the vacationing Kelly Bidlin. I'm Ben Wilson. Home run for Jose Ramirez. Uh, they're in Boston. one nothing lead for the Guardians. We're going to update all the scores in a little bit, but uh, I heard that guy's pretty good at baseball, Adam.
5: He's not bad. 20th. The other guy in the Home team was the pretty good bunted in the second, first inning.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Adam's still, still extremely salty. mad. He's such a, like such a calm disposition about him. You'd never know. But in, inside Adam was like really legitimately furious for about, you like, would know a if seven you had a VEASAN stretch. plus, plus you would know if you had a VEASAN plus, plus subscription. I know a guy who does have a VEASAN plus, plus subscription uh, joins us right now. Jordan Sherwood, frequent guest here on the show, joining us from Chicago who hosts uh, the Unnamed MMA podcast. Jordan, great to have you back on the show. Uh, I know you're uh, your compadre there, Kelly Bidlin. I don't know where he's at right now, but Kelly usually does these once a year wild vacations where he just goes on elaborate tours of the United States. So I'm not sure if you've seen or heard from Kelly. Yeah, know. I think
3: it's uh, I think he's on stop three right now stop in Montana, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. it's like Sounds Vegas right. to the Keys to Montana does it every year. It's tough to to follow, uh, you know, that guy, but I, I think he's got, he's in Montana right now. So okay. good for him. Thank you. A
4: break. It, yes. J- Jordan Sherwood, our resident Kelly Bidlin, wild Kelly Bidlin tracker uh, r- right now, helping us out here. As far as the card this weekend, very big one. And it starts right, uh, right at the top. I know you just recorded your, uh, your podcast a little bit earlier. Juliana Pena, Amanda Nunez, Nunez very healthy favorite here in the, the rematch there, that uh, title bout. So what do you make of, uh, of the matchup and where the line is, uh, is reflective of your thoughts there uh, for the Saturday match?
3: Yeah, I, I think it's, re- I think it's reflective as where it should be. I mean, you know, Amanda Nunez is the greatest mixed martial arts or female mixed martial arts that we've ever seen. And she's one of the best all time. If you compare it to the men and look, she had an off night against, uh, against the Venezuelan Vixen and everybody does. That's the, that's the beauty of mixed martial arts. It really, when you go in there, uh, anybody can win and look, it was, it was about where look she had been dominating for so long. Uh, she had a fantastic first round and then completely gassed and I'm not discrediting Juliana Pena. She's a fantastic fighter. Uh, she's been in there with the best. Uh, she's coming off the ultimate fighter, and she deserved the win because her cardio held up. Amanda Nunez's did not. She was also Amanda Nunez was coming off of a bout with COVID. So I think all that factors into the fact that, look, from what I understand out of her camp, Amanda Nunez looks great. She's prepared mentally. She's prepared physically. And I'm expecting a vintage performance by Amanda Nunez uh, on Saturday night I don't think that it's probably too risky just to have her as a straight money line. So why not do what Amanda Nunez always does and and look for her to win inside the distance one look for her to win on the earlier side of the rounds and take the under uh, at two and a half just Mm -hmm. because mate, I mean, hedge hedge, just in case we, you know, lightning strikes twice. She gases once again. And then, you know, Gianna Pena takes over midway through that second, third round.
5: Jordan, that's only one of the two title fights that we have coming up here in this UFC 277 card, and the other one in the flyweight division. Brandon Moreno, Kai Kara France. Moreno's a pretty big $2, over two dollar favorite in this fight. Do you see it playing out as the betting market does? Yeah,
3: yeah, I do. I think just because Brandon Moreno is just better everywhere than Kai Kara France. I mean, this is also a rematch. Brandon Moreno holds a victory over Kai Kara France several years ago, and they're probably they're probably both you know much better fighters than when they met the first time, but Brandon Moreno, you know, he's been in those championship wars with Devinson Figueroa. He's very well-rounded. He's an underrated grappler. He's got cardio for days. And even if he gets into a firefight with Kai Kaikara France, who's got unbelievable power for 125 pounds, I think he can survive. And the kryptonite, the one thing that we've seen out of Kai Kaikara France before is he struggles with grapplers. He struggles with guys that take the fight to the ground uh, and look to submit him. He did survive against Baharaj uh, three fights ago, survived a, a deadly na- rear naked choke, got out of it, knocked him out in the first round. He had a very impressive performance against Cody Garbrandt, the former Bantamweight champion. But I just think Brandon Moreno is prepared for everything he's going to see from Kaikar France. So, but I do believe this is like a typical flyweight fight and it does go the full five rounds. So if you do not Want to lay $2, dollars 2 10 there on the screen uh, with Brandon Moreno. Obviously, you can get a healthier price with him to win on the judges' scorecards, and I believe that he will do so. He'll win the fight via decision. Just show the heart of, again, a, a guy that I believe is, quite frankly, could be, again, once again, a, a champion of this division if he meets Devison Figueredo. Figueroa. Brandon Moreno on points Saturday
4: night. And this is UFC 277. Talking with Jordan Sherwood. He is at Wood on 1063. For those who do not follow Jordan already uh, on Twitter, and we've we've got all the props here up that we're uh, we're showing on screen as we go through all these fights. Uh, the other one I want to get your take on before we get to your uh, your card there. Uh, at least in the uh, at least in the main card there, where you've got a, a about uh, right around right. Around, you know, that's what third from the last one, Pavlovich and uh, Lewis. Where it's uh, interestingly enough, you have I think the most juice I'm seeing in any of these lower round totals. Only one and a half of the, the juice is like minus 160 to the under here as close to a pick'em as you're going to see. I know we've seen some money come in on Pavlovich up to about a dollar 40, 45. In a lot of the market, uh, what, first off, where do you view uh, on that line move? And is that, uh, is it a situation where you'd still be looking at it under, even though you got to lay a lot of juice to do that on only a one and a half total for uh, the round prop there.
3: I, I'm quite surprised on the line line moving. I mean, Derek Lewis, the black beast is one of the most popular fighters currently in the UFC. Uh, he holds the knockout record, not just the heavyweight knockout record, the knockout record in UFC history. He's, he's very rarely in a boring fight. I mean, actually, the one, one time that he was, was in a boring fight, it was one of the most boring fights ever seen against Francis Ngannou. Um, yes, Derek Lewis has lost two of his last three fights, but they were against Cyril Gan, you know, an interim heavyweight champion, and Ty Ivasa, a guy that I believe will be fighting for the heavyweight championship very soon. Derek Lewis struggles with guys that put pressure on him and threaten as a, a grappler. I don't believe Pavlovich presents that. I believe Sergei is going to try and stand with Derek Lewis. He's going to try and, you know, swing some wild punches and land something. And that is just a recipe for disaster. Derek Lewis surprises people of just how athletic he is and just how quick he is. And one punch, whether it happens in the first round, or as we've seen in his victory over Alexander Volkov, after taking 14 minutes and 30 seconds of punishment, he could land one bomb and end the night. So, I'm shocked that Derek Lewis is still an underdog. I'm recommending you play him at the dog money because I think that he is not going to be threatened or uh, by anything. Sergey Pavlovich is is going to Pavlovich is a drum. This is a dramatic step up in competition for him. I don't think he's prepared. Derek Lewis, in my mind, is still a top five heavyweight in the world, and I love him as an underdog. And yes, you probably have to play the odds at at, at the, the the fight not going to the judges scorecards right. don't get crazy. Like Dirk Lewis isn't going to throw up a submission and I've seen that up thirds It's like, yeah, 25 to one. That's not happening. <laughs> but Dirk Lewis landing a bomb, getting a knockout and even further plus money. I'll take that for sure.
5: Jordan, I'll let you take us somewhere here. Cause I want to get your thoughts on the undercard and, and maybe a bet that you like, or maybe a fight that you think is really intriguing, whether it's because of the betting odds or just maybe a stylistic matchup, something like that. What on the undercard would you say is, is the most interesting fight for you?
3: Let's go style. Let's go first fight of the night. A guy by the name of Blood Diamond and Orion Kose. Uh Blood Diamond, you know, comes from that renowned city kickboxing camp. He's a great kickboxer. He made his UFC debut, uh, lost to a grappler in Jeremiah Wells. Kose is not as good of a grappler as Jeremiah Wells, but I'm, I think we're going to see a similar fight play out. This fight's not going to be standing for too long. Orion's going to take the fight to the ground and likely dominate from there. So yes, Kose straight up money line dollar 80. I like the under, I think there's a first round finish and likely a, a submission finish because look blood diamond is talented. He's a talented striker, very good kickboxer, but extremely amateur, extremely raw in his mixed martial arts game. And I don't think that he's improved his ground game enough in three months since we last saw him or four months since we last saw him to warrant any fear that the same result is going to play out. So I, I like say in the opening fight, Against Blood Diamond,
4: love well, that. Giving us something right out of the chute. Uh, is at the American Airlines Center, uh, by the way. I believe that, believe that is a 6:10 Eastern start for the very first uh, fight of the night there with the uh, Blood Diamond and, uh, and Koski. As far as so for the for the wagers, again looking at Nunez on the in the uh, main event there, at looking, looking at the under as well there, as well as that about you just talked about there, Jordan. Those those are going to be the plays here, and you might might be looking to add a little bit later depending on the we talked about that uh, the Hall price could potentially, or I say the, the Lewis price, depending on where that thing goes here this weekend.
3: Yeah, I think you got to grab it now. He's a pub. He's going to be a public play, certainly as a dog. So my recommendation is to grab it now. I think he's going to win the fight, and uh, only the odds are going to go down, uh, not in your favor. So grab the All Black right. Beast while you still can.
4: Jordan Sherwood, always a pleasure, man. Having you on. Thanks so much for the time, and best of luck with uh, with those plays here. UFC 277. Adam, Ben, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Wood on 1063. Where you follow uh, Jordan on the Twitter machine. All right. Excited for that this weekend, uh, Adam, we've got some baseball though, to update. We got a tie game in Toronto one, one. And uh, <laughs> remember we talked about as much as we were not really in love with trying to take a discounted blue Jay price in game at the same time, Detroit is not a very good baseball team. That, that, that is certainly a fact. And it is now one, one there uh, North of the border
5: yeah, unearned run too, which Ugh. you know, a team like the Tigers, yeah. they they can ill afford to give up unearned runs. I think Detroit's gonna be a really interesting team to watch here coming up on Tuesday because for as bad as this team is, and they came into tonight nineteen games under five hundred, they've got a pretty good bullpen. Now, Gregory Soto is one of the more sought after relievers out there. I mentioned Andrew Chafin, who's not with the team for this series, but could be a guy that may be on the move. Their bullpen is very solid, and it may not be after Tuesday, and this is already a very offensively challenged team. They've lost a lot of games scoring two or fewer runs. The bullpen's kind of given them the chance to win a lot of games, but if they wind up kind of dismantling that group, uh, this could be a team that's very, very, I mean, they're already bad, but
4: much yeah. worse throughout the final couple months of the season. Alejandro Kirk drives in, uh, in that in that run, so uh, we're underway there. We're also underway in, in Houston. So Wyatt's uh, sweating that no run first inning. Gilbert for the Mariners or Kidi for the Astros, and we've got a couple other games. There's one uh, going to start this hour as well. We'll get a preview next. We'll get all of these scores updated when we return. But uh, Tyler Anderson goes for the Dodgers back in his former uh, for against his former team, Jose Urania and the Colorado Rockies. Seeing that in the market right now at uh, DraftKings, Dodgers minus two ten road favorites, plus one eighty there on the Rockies. Oh, we're up to twelve of that total. Pooh boy, ends him over over juice as well at uh, minus 115. We'll have Wyatt update all the scores for us. Get Adam's thoughts on that Dodgers Rockies matchup and maybe some uh, college football discussion next on the other side here on Primetime Action.
2: Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL Plus. Visit NFL.com slash schedule release to learn more. What's up? I'm John Wall.
1: And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA six man of the year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have ticked it all?
4: The VEASAN College Football Betting Guide is out now. Start your football season on the right foot with expert profiles of all 131 teams, including team trends, power ratings, and over-under recommendations, plus our best season win total bets, Heisman hopefuls, and playoff predictions. The only way to get access to this year's football betting guide is to become a VEASAN All-Access subscriber. Sign up for VEASAN All-Access today and get everything we offer for the entire football season, including our upcoming pro football betting guide, which is still to come. Subscribe now at VEASAN.com subscribe. Let me get into some of Adam's thoughts on the overall college football season. Just just maybe for the college football playoff, because we've done the last two nights on the show, maybe some of the outsiders who could break in, and then looking at some of the favorites. So I want to get to Adam's thoughts on that in a moment. First, let's update some scores. Why Tom? Check uh, patiently watching. Jose Urquidy, couple of uh, outs there to start. So you're Two outs home out of your six there in that no-run first inning bet, wide.
6: Yeah, the uh, first uh, batter hit one straight away center field. I was like, well, lost the bet on the uh, first <laughs> swing of the game. But uh, thankfully, we're, we were only four outs away, so right. cross the fingers. But uh, scores around the uh, MLB here tonight, Royals and Yankees in the fourth inning. Zero uh, piece for both teams, plus 225 on the money line for the Royals, hanging in there with the Yankees coming off that uh, two-game sweep uh, that the Mets had against them, including a walk-off win last night. Minus 285 for the Yankees on the money line. Five and a half is the total in the fourth inning. Phillies in control of this matchup between them and the Pirates. Four to nothing is the score, minus 1600 for the Phillies on the money line, plus 850 for the Pirates. Total sitting at eight and a half. In the fourth inning, Tigers and Blue Jays tied up at one. Plus 190 on the money line for the Tigers. Minus 235 for the Blue Jays. Total sit is sitting at seven and a half. In the fourth inning, Guardians on top of the Red Sox. One to nothing. Minus 185 on the money line for the Guardians. Plus 150 for the Red Sox. Total at six and a half. And just underway here in Houston in the first inning. Uh, zero is the score between the Mariners and the Astros. Plus 130 on the money line for the Mariners. Minus 160 for the Astros. Seven and a half is the
4: total. All right. How about Tristan McKenzie? Been somewhat of an up-and-down year. Got off to a really, really bright start. Did McKenzie, the youngster for the, guard, uh, for the Guardians, had it was those back-to-back starts against the Twins where he just got rocked over a 10-day period. And as a result, it's, it ballooned some of the numbers, but he's still a, sitting at a 311 ERA entering tonight. Been impressive what we've seen so far. Four pretty spotless innings from him here.
5: Yeah, you know, he's a guy that uh, I, I look at all the metrics. I kind of look at everything that I see. I sort of look at the eye test, and I've never fully bought in and maybe I need to start. You know, I mean, hey This P. is a kid that the biggest thing for him this season is he's shaved a lot off of his walk rate. Last year, he had a walk rate north of 11%. This year, it's down around 7%. And that's a really important thing when you're a fly ball guy that gives up home runs. He's sort of like a, a Josh Tomlin in the sense that he's just around the plate so much and throws so many strikes that he's going to give up home runs. What made them so bad last year was that he'd walk two guys and then give up a three-run homer. This year, he's been giving up more solo shots, which, you know, you live with those, you, you deal with those as a guy with, you know, his strikeout rate and the things that he's able to do. He's always had a low batting average on balls and play. It was just the walks that really hurt him. If he can continue to sustain a 7% walk rate, you have to look at him in a different light. And that's something that I'm, I guess I'm kind of coming to terms with.
4: Hey, look, it's uh, it maybe begrudging, but look, you watch the guy, every single start. You've, you've seen a lot of the, the numbers at least improve from this year, pretty significantly. You're near five last year. And while some of the numbers would suggest you might be due for a little re- little bit of regression still to, to whittle the ERA down to just barely north of three with two, hor- I mean, a couple of horrific starts in there as well. Got to be impressed.
5: Are Should you saying fun? that uh, not this weekend because you won't be there, but the following weekend, Tristan McKenzie is part of our real or fake
4: segment? Probably. probably yeah. Well, hasn't he been already? Yeah, we could do it again. We could probably do it again. We have, we have a lot of fun. The run line Sunday nights eight to ten Eastern shameless plug for our, our lovely show because we Adam and I have a lot of fun doing that show uh, each and every week. As far as for the game that is still to come here this hour we have Tyler Anderson returns to Colorado facing Jose Urania and the Rockies. Uh, we saw Anderson it was his second worst start of the year went to Coors this was uh, I want to say about a month ago at this point it was. Yeah, June 27th, so exactly uh, 31 days ago. And was not exactly rocked by Coors standards. He gave up four runs in six innings, but did give up 10 hits. Was hit hard all over the place. Since then, four quality starts, 2-0 with a record for Anderson. Now 10-1 and on the season. I'm sure you probably view him a lot differently than you do a guy like Tony Gonsolin, where the, the flashing red lights of the regression monster have just been blaring and very, very vibrant for a couple months now. Whereas Anderson... Guy with a 279 ERA, but you know, expected ERA of 304, fielding independent pitching 327, doesn't really walk anybody, doesn't give, hasn't been incredibly lucky with the batting average on balls in play or the, or the strand rate necessarily. So what do you make of a matchup like this going back to Coors where most guys struggle, but he at least does have some history pitching there and has just faced the Rockies here about a month ago.
5: Yeah, there's a lot of experience there. I mean, look, in that last start, as you mentioned, four runs on 10 hits over six innings, only struck out two, walked one guy, gave up a home run. Anderson, like the, you know, again, the biggest thing about Coors Field is balls are going to find patches of grass. It's just a very spacious outfield. The ball obviously carries in that thin air. You just can't walk anybody. You know, if you start walking guys, that's when things become a really big problem for you. Anderson doesn't have that issue. You know, and, and he's a guy that's actually not as much of a ground ball pitcher as he has been in some of his previous stops. The only concern, of course, is that the Rockies are really good against lefties, both at home and on the road, but especially at home. Anderson is a lefty, so you worry a little bit about that. That's why this total is 12, because you will get Jose Ureña, oh, and oh, finally yeesh. he got knocked around by your Milwaukee Brewers last time out. Six runs on six hits, over five and a third. I don't really know how this guy has had success at the MLB level this season you know he pitches to contact the walk rate is high he's walked 15 and 31 and two-thirds he's just gotten very fortunate in terms of balls in play and his hard hit rate is actually surprisingly low he throws hard but he's never had the strikeouts to show for it I'm just not a big Jose Urania guy uh, but at the same time it's hard to lay over two dollars with you know any game at Coors Field just because they're so they're open to so much variance
4: yeah let me just present some maybe alternate ways of betting this if you wanted run line we showed on the screen it's about minus 140 there you can find is as low at uh, DraftKings minus 135 on the run line how about the just the the Dodger team total first five over three and a half minus 130 where you've got as we mentioned Urania basically almost as many walks as strikeouts this year Um, and yeah the 313 ERA compared to the 519 expected ERA guy who had an over five ERA for what it's worth each of the last three seasons, and those were pitching in very friendly pitchers' parks in Miami and in Detroit. So that's the angle I naturally look at. Part of this, we have to uh, look at the, uh, the Dodgers lineup, uh, of course, in a, in a spot like that tonight. But uh, they, most of their guys, I believe, will be in the lineup here. Dodgers just losing a series, in fact, had to, had to win yesterday to avoid a sweep at home to the hands of the Nationals. It will be Betts, Turner, Freeman at the top, Will Smith, then Jake Lamb, Gavin Lux, Max Muncy, Cody Bellinger, Zach McKinstry. So a couple of non-regulars in there. Muncy's had his struggles hitting just a 154, but that's the one angle I'd probably be looking at here.
5: Yeah, second start in less than a month against the Dodgers for Urania. And second start at, well, I guess this is going to be his third start at Coors Field, which is, again, interesting. I mean, he got knocked around at American Family Field last time out. So, Mm -hmm. you know, just one of those things where Baseball is a funny game. You know, sometimes you get
4: a really bad pitcher. It, he shoved at Dodger Stadium up. earlier. Right. Yeah, six and two thirds, f- five hits, one run in his first start. Uh, they're they're in Dodger Stadium. So anyway, that that's just. Uh, I believe I was on the over in that game too, which never came close. <laughs> what are you gonna do? That's not, it's not not exactly a, a fun place to be in. Uh, speaking of potential overs and scoring, we just get uh, another two-run inning here in Toronto. So the Blue Jays have added a couple to the Tigers. So from down, one nothing, they got the unearned run in the third inning, and now Matt Chapman, 17th homer, putting together a a nice little year there north of the border.
5: Been yeah seen. great defensive third baseman too so he's a guy that has a really high floor because he's so good defensively if you're getting offense from him it's definitely a big boost so you know the blue jays again their their biggest issue this season has been hitting with men in scoring position they obviously have the talent they've been number one or number two in hard hit percentage all year long they just haven't gotten enough timely hits if that's something that changes for them in the second half i'm not saying they're going to run down the yankees but they're going to definitely solidify right. themselves as a wild
4: card team and as far as in houston what uh for- Three up, three down there, Wyatt. Top of the first? Is that what we had? It was a good good start yeah. uh,
6: there for the uh for the Astros. Now we just need uh, Mr. Gilbert here.
4: He got Altuve out. And now uh, trying to get Yuli Gurriel. What's but, it like betting these no run first innings, wide? I want to know. As someone who's never who well, I think I might. You, have don't, done you once, don't bet once the twice. no run first? Oh. Why would you why would you put yourself through that? Why it's would fun. you put yourself? Adam, what, are you
6: do you it, ever bet those? Here's no. the thing. It's a, it's a quick, easy sweat. And if you have a bad uh,
4: you know, you lose you a bet. All right. I got like six other games. Sweat, for you. Just go outside. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is true. What? Today was cold by Vegas standards. It's it like only 88 last
5: night with that thunderstorm that rolled in. Like it was a cold breeze. Adam Burke. Oh, you've got five up Am- five. Amateur, now. Looking amateur good, meteorologist looking good. over here. But I will say the reason I would never bet a no run first inning is that on an annual basis, with the exception of the COVID year, the first inning is the highest scoring inning pretty much every year over the last yeah. decade of major league baseball, because the top of the order always bats. So, I never play the no run. I would only play a yes run if that was a market I really dabbled in.
4: Yeah. Well, look, I, I can't speak because Wyatt has a 1-0 head-to-head edge over me because we went oppo well, on last night. I didn't bet it, night. so he can't mush it with a kiss of <laughs> so. not He can't. Yeah, we went oppo last night. Wyatt won. We, you know, once upon a time on the show, we used to do the Andy McNeil versus Daniel Alvari, the, uh, like the avatar, because they would always go head-to-head on hockey bets. So I, I, we don't need to make one for Wyatt and I, but I'm just saying. Wyatt won. I, mean, I can make it as my new profile photo. I mean, I'd, if you make it, I'll, I'd happily I'd happily, you know, invest in it. I'd, I'd love to be a part of it. I just, you know. We can figure one out for tomorrow. Yeah, probably. We'll get our cracks. Although I have a real it. hard time changing the Steve Spurrier <laughs> avatar on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Adam Burke, follow him. That's Kitty crap It's got the Spurrier avatar going. Uh, we're going to go to the NFC East. We talked AFC East quarterback totals a little bit earlier. Talk NFC East up next, then get to Adam Burke's college football thoughts all in the next half hour right here on Primetime Action. Baseball predictions made brighter. Join the Born in the Ballpark Challenge, presented by Blue Moon to compete free for cash all season, and our weekly prediction pools to fight for your share of sixty-two thousand five hundred dollars in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Blue Moon now to join the action. Blue Moon made brighter, twenty-one and over only. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Drink responsibly. I kind of feel bad, uh, Adam, for why Tom that we did the we, we had the discussion that we had. When we had it, because we went to break and immediately Jordan Alvarez missed a home run by like two feet, hit a ball hundred eight and a half miles an hour off the bat, and then Alex Bregman goes yard. Two run homer. Feel really I, We should have waited till Wyatt got the six up six down, cause this <laughs> hey, loser. Yep. Tough. 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 That was a, that Can't was a brutal win all,
6: Wyatt. One. That was a brutal one. I mean, you know, you got five outs, and then Jordan Alvarez. One hops the wall and then just an absolute meatball to Alex Bregman. It was just uh, two
4: balls, absolutely,
6: yeah, torpedoed.
4: Yeah, off the bat. Uh, What's the?
6: It's an unfortunate. One. Well, you know what? I might be interested in betting no runs in the uh, third or fourth inning. We'll see. We'll oh, see God. no! Wow, really? We'll see.
4: Okay. Adam, you have any uh, thoughts on those? <laughs> Our resident MLB expert, by the way, Adam. Burr.
5: No, I'll just say the last four batted, well, the last three mm-hmm. batted balls in that first inning, 104.9, 108.5, 106.5 off of Logan Gilbert. We talked about the 47% hard hit percentage that he's got on the season here. And look, you know, I don't care who you are, but hard contact will eventually catch up with you. Yeah. And for Logan Gilbert, maybe tonight is the night. Uh, we've got three barreled balls, actually four barreled balls. In this game already on a nine balls in place, so neither starter locating particularly well
4: thus far. Maybe a little in game. Well, I mean, I don't know if there's much in game over value. That's that's kind of the problem because at least in this game, I'm already seeing it up to well, look like eight and a half juiced over. I don't know. That's not the not the worst. And if you're kind of basing your in game handicap on what you see with hard contact, right? And balls that are consistently being barreled, is it taking an eight and a half over minus one fifteen. This thing closed. Uh, at the end of the day, this was uh, yeah, it was eight and a half uh, juiced under. So there's just a, been a change of juice. I don't know that I actually don't think that would be a bad play right now. No, in game eight so. and a half over. Both pitchers giving up hard contact so far.
5: Yeah, I mean Logan Gilbert did not locate well in that first inning. I mean that ball to Alvarez was down and in. That's exactly where lefties like the ball. The pitch to Bregman was just a flat slider that was basically a batting practice pitch. You know, maybe he figures it out in the dugout here between innings. But, yeah, I mean, a yeah. lot of hard contact so far from both these guys. And, again, both guys fly ball pitchers where, as I mentioned, early in the year, Minute Maid Park was very stingy in terms of runs allowed. But that's kind of changed a little bit as it's warmed up outside. So, I don't know, either that no. or – the league is messing with the humidor. Who
4: knows? <laughs> conspiracy theorist Adam yeah. Burke over here. Is talking, talking plus, plus Conspiracy VEASAN Theory plus Podcast plus coming plus. All uh, uh, Another extra base hit, by the way. This time for the uh, the Mariners. So I, I was hoping to get to the half inning, get to a break, maybe get a bet in. I don't know if I'll even have the opportunity. We'll see. Runner already uh, in scoring position there for Seattle. Uh, we talked AFC East quarterback props. Adam earlier in the show. Let's go to NFC East. Anything uh, we like here. Dak Prescott leads the list. His prop for passing yards this season: four thousand three hundred fifty and a. Half for Prescott, 31 and a half touchdowns, 10 and a half picks. He was at 37 and 10 last year, touchdowns, interceptions, 4,449 passing yards in only 16 games, remember, uh, for Prescott. look, But an offense that led the league in scoring a season ago, Adam. We did that, that That prop betting look last night, and Dallas was way down on the list, more like 12, 14 to 1 to repeat his the league's most prolific offense as a whole. Are are you buying the general sense that Dallas is going to take a step back offensively this year, which would certainly, if that would be the case, correlate to Prescott's numbers in general?
5: Yeah, I think Dallas is definitely in line for a little bit of a step back. I mean, last year they were very fortunate on the injury front. They also recovered a lot of fumbles, which is something that typically doesn't happen year over year. When you look for turnover luck and stuff like that, you want to look for teams that recovered fumbles Teams that didn't recover fumbles. Uh, and, and Dallas is a team that got fortunate in a lot of those kind of higher variance areas. And, you know, look, when you look at this team here, CeeDee Lamb, right? Obviously, the number one wide receiver for them. But Jalen Tolbert, who just came out of college, he may end up being the number two because they don't have Amari Cooper anymore. Cedric Wilson is, you know, a guy that is is fine, but. You know, this is a team that's kind of got some turnover at the wide receiver position where you're really not sure exactly what's going to happen with them, and also Wilson actually gone uh, from this team this season. So Prescott's going to be throwing to a different group of wide receivers. Maybe they run the ball a little bit more. Maybe they use Tony Pollard out of the backfield uh, as a receiver or something like that, but this is a team that, I would be concerned about them having some regression, both because of the player personnel, but also because because of some of the areas where they got lucky last
4: season. Yeah, four thousand three hundred fifty and a half uh, there for Prescott after yeah, throwing for a little more than that a season ago. The one that I am most curious about to get your thoughts on in this division is Jalen Hurts. Who look on the surface, I would I naturally look at these numbers: thirty six hundred fifty and a half passing yards, twenty two and a half passing touchdowns, ten and a half picks. I naturally look at all of those at him and think. Under, under, under when you consider the rushing volume you're getting out of a guy like that who rushed for nearly 800 yards a season ago. Rushed for 10 touchdowns a year ago on a, threw for 3,144 yards, but in 15 starts. So that would have been about a 3,563-yard pace for 17 games, about 100 yards shy of where we're at here. 16 touchdowns to nine interceptions. I totally understand the fact that he's going from year, year one as a full starter, year two in the league now, to his third year as a pro, second year getting the full keys to the cars there under Nick Sirianni in his offense. But... Are we, I mean, how do you try to quantify a guy who is, I don't know that he's necessarily going to stop running. I mean, that's one of the guy's biggest assets, even if that's something that could potentially lead to more hits over time. We've seen Kyler Murray cut back on his running, but that's because he was taking so many big shots. Hertz did a pretty good job of keeping his body relatively clean from taking the big lick and was, was pretty, I mean, the, the, probably the most veteran part of his game, if you had to watch him the first couple of years, especially last year, was just getting down, creating extra yards without giving up the big hit on him. So am I crazy for thinking, I understand he'll probably show some more incremental improvement this year, but maybe those numbers are all a little bit high and maybe you're paying a bit of a tax for how high the general betting public has been on Philadelphia this offseason.
5: Yeah, I think you really have to look at this, and, and you have to wonder you know, what their strategy is going to be with Jalen Hurts because you don't acquire A.J. Brown not to use him. Now you've already got Devontae Smith. Now you've got A.J. Brown. You've really got a situation here where this kid is set up for success to throw the football. Dallas Geddert, also a really, really good tight end. So I think that kind of the idea here is surround him with a lot of talent to the point where he doesn't have to put his body at risk as much as he did last season, kind of almost out of necessity, maybe out of a lack of confidence. Who knows? Also, they had some offensive line injuries last year. that They had to kind of work around. But, again, you're talking about a quarterback that I think is a decent thrower. I don't know if I'd call him above average. Mm -hmm. And you're talking about trying to go over, you know, some numbers that probably have been adjusted a little bit, especially with the addition of Brown. It's just very hard to figure out, you know, how much of the game they want to put into Hertz's hands unless they absolutely have to, if they're trailing or something like that. They're such a fascinating team to me. And I thought last year they were the highest variance team in the NFL going into the season. I thought they could win four or five games. They could win 10 or 11 games. They wind up going nine and eight, being maybe a little bit higher on on that end of the Mm -hmm. spectrum. But I think it's the same thing this year where I think this team could be really good. I also wouldn't be shocked if they win, if they go 7-10 and 10 or 6-11, and 11, something like that. So that wide range of outcomes, I think, makes it tough to kind of
4: pinpoint where Hurts ends up. And keep in mind, too, for teams in these divisions, we talked about it earlier, Adam, some of the easiest strength of schedules for everybody. Giants have the easiest strength of schedule. Eagles, second easiest. Commanders, sixth easiest. And then you go to Dallas, rounding out the list there in, in the 10th. Can you really – is it even possible to make wagers on these Daniel Jones props when a guy has played, if you look at these season-by-season games played, 13, 14, 11 last year, his career high, 3,027 passing yards as a rookie. He's at 3,650 and a half. Same number as Hurts this year. How much confidence do you have in him even staying healthy this year? Because that's probably where you'd have to start uh, that handicap, at least I would think.
5: Well, a lot of people are really looking at this Giants team. And when you look at NFL history, you know, you have a team go from worst to first in the division on an almost an annual basis. I think it was, you know, something that happens very, very frequently. So a lot of people are kind of looking at the Giants as possibly being that team. And look, it's going to help to have actual coaching now with Brian and, and Mike Kafka because Joe judge had no clue what he was doing. Obviously we all know Jason Garrett. So The Giants are in a situation where they've upgraded their offensive line to maybe be league average. Daniel Jones has a lot of weapons around him. He's also a guy playing for a contract, kind of playing for his future. There are a lot of reasons to expect improvement from this Giants team and specifically from Daniel Jones. Now, to your point, he's got to stay healthy. That's a really, really important thing. But I think he has the opportunity now to stay healthier with better play calling, with the skill guys around him, with a little bit of improvement on the offensive line. I... I'm starting to drink the Kool-Aid as well. And I know a lot of people are doing that starting out there right now, it. but I'm starting to drink the Kool-Aid that the giants may actually you know, surpass
4: expectations this year. Carson Wentz, you want anything to do with any of his props this year, first year in Washington? No,
5: no, I, it, it's just, he's a difficult player to pinpoint. And also, you know, I mean, look, you've got Terry McLaurin, but you know, what do we think about Jahan Dotson? What do we think about mm-hmm. Curtis Samuel? You know, kind of unproven guys at the NFL level. You know, is Wentz able to get them the ball? Uh, I don't know. That's maybe one where you look at the over interceptions prop because this commander's team looks like they're going to trail a fair amount. So, you know, Wentz is, is kind of prone to, to throwing those pitches.
4: Uh, yeah, that's kind of happened from time to time. Led the league in interceptions in the 2020 season with uh, with Philadelphia. 3,563 yards for him a season ago. Uh, in it, keep in mind, in Indianapolis, he's at 3,550 and a half, 23 and a half touchdowns, 10. And a half interceptions this year. See how many fans were at the training camp today for Washington? No. Yeah. Like six people. It was a big showing. Big, big, big showing there. You know, in Landover, more fans America. behind us, I think we do. <laughs> we'll get to Adams College football thoughts when we return here on Primetime Action.
5: I think Kobe and
2: everybody in their prime, Kobe would win
5: a one-on-one concept. Yeah, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like You see him in the Olympics, <laughs> he's going guard, and then on I'm top not of that.
3: like that, see that?
1: Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to point game. I remember you came out my room crying tears. <laughs> crying tears, I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning.
0: Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, oh, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because it ain't it? <laughs>
4: Ice cold beers, cold hard cash. Join the action on the pitch with the Heineken 2022 Soccer Prediction Challenge. Compete in 20 free-to-play pools this season for your shot at a share of $100,000 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Heineken now to start your run at victory. Heineken, beer made better. 21 and over only. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Drink. Responsibly, they are underway in Colorado. And we looked up and on the second pitch of the game, at it. Mookie Betts hit a ball uh, t- to the warning track, uh, hit it very hard, and it results in a loud out. Basically, Jose Urania's season in a nutshell so far. A lot of hard contact, a lot of balls in play, but he's been pretty fortunate. Wrong Sub part Corriere. of the park. Yeah. Got to pull that ball a little bit. Come on, Mookie. What are we doing? Yeah, right. I did not end up making that, uh, that wager, by the way. I was thinking about it. Team total, first first five on the Dodgers. Uh, two and a half did not uh, play that. And we are into the top of the third now. Lead-off base hit, though, for Seattle. 2 nothing, Astros as we go to the top of the third. Uh, we've been talking about this, Adam, throughout most of the day, the, uh, the college football betting guide. It is now out. You had such a big role in that. Nearly 50 team capsules from Adam Burke uh, that you wrote up for that guide this year. So wanted to get your take. Uh, we've done our thoughts over the last two shows, looking at maybe some of the long shots to make the college football playoff. Some of the favorites to get in. If we look at the actual national championship market, one of the things we have not actually looked at this year. Uh, where do you stand at, uh, at at the teams at the top? Where Alabama plus one seventy five favorites right now. You have Ohio State at three to one, and then Georgia at uh, four to one. Similar to how those are the three favorites to make the college football playoff. Everybody else at plus money here. Of those top three, are you of the are you also of the thought that it is just a Alabama Ohio State tier? in and of itself, and Georgia in a solo B tier, or are you seeing things a little bit differently heading into the 2022 campaign?
5: Well, in terms of my season win total projections, Georgia with 11.4 wins, Ohio State 11.39, Alabama 11.37, and then Cincinnati 10.5. So Georgia, Ohio State, and Alabama, they're all going to be such big favorites in in all their games. I think Georgia's minus 14 or higher for me in every game. Alabama's minus 13 or higher. Uh, and, And even Ohio State you know, I, I still had them a pretty decent favorite when they take on Penn State, same thing when they take on Michigan, uh, in a rare revenge game for the Buckeyes in that situation. So I think those are three of your four playoff teams. Then the question mm-hmm. becomes who's the fourth one? You know, is does, I think for Clemson, they have to make the change to the true freshman quarterback whose name escapes me right now. But I don't think DJ Uiagalele is going to get them to the college football playoff. And I worry about them too with Brent Venables, now the head coach at Oklahoma. Uh, you know, Dabo Sweeney also lost his offensive coordinator, Jeff Scott, to use, to uh, South Florida not that long ago. I don't know if Dabo's a great head coach. I think he's a good leader of men. Um, except for when he's talking about players getting paid. <laughs> but I, I do worry about both sides of the ball losing their coordinators here. So I have concerns about Clemson. So that means by default, we almost have to go ahead and look at the Pac 12, yeah. right? Kate Klubnik,
4: by the way, your, your freshman quarterback, that there the prized
5: recruit. And like I Clemson. I wouldn't be shocked if he's got the starting job, you know, pretty quickly, if not right away to start the season, kind of a lot la Trevor Lawrence did in his freshman year. But then I think you have to look to the Pac 12, where Utah is really good. I'm a little bit higher than the market on Utah, but I have them down for 10.44 wins. Easily the best team here in the Pac-12 conference. Now, the Pac-12 does not have divisions this year. It's just going to be the top two teams by conference record. So Utah will maybe end up having to face USC again. Uh, maybe they'll go cross division, cross the old divisions and mm-hmm. play Oregon, something like that. But I think Utah to make the college football playoff at 5-1 to one is not a bad bet. I wrote about that in the guide where – I think the schedule shakes out for them. I think they're the best team in the trenches. They're the most consistent team because you've got USC with this massive scheme change going to Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams, all the new faces that they have. They're not a good defensive team either. So I think Utah may very well be that fourth team that makes the playoffs. Certainly could be Oklahoma, could be Texas, could be a Baylor that I'm higher on than the market, I think. But for me, I think Utah – right now looks like that fourth team that's got the inside track.
4: Yeah, and you'd rather just make a bet on one of those teams just to make the playoff as opposed to, say, a 60-to-1 shot. Like You don't feel like that's – whoever's making the fourth spot, in other words, is not really a true threat to actually win at all this year.
5: And and the reality of it is whoever the fourth team is that makes it in, they'll probably be a double-digit dog in that semifinal game. 13-and-a-half,
4: 14-and-a-half. Depending on Yeah, the, I mean, like I line. said,
5: I'm a little bit higher on Utah than the market. I've got Utah about eight and a half point dog to Georgia, ten and a half to Ohio State, eleven and a half to Alabama. Okay. But I would think that if a potential playoff matchup did come, that line's probably closer to two touchdowns yeah. just because, you know, you're going to have oh, if Cincinnati
4: it's, last year, Alabama, that right. was fourteen and a half. Right.
5: I mean, right. I mean if, if you get Georgia, Ohio State, and Alabama all in there, I mean, they're just far and away the three best teams in the country. So you have to put a little bit of a premium on a semifinal line with those three teams,
4: and kind of in that same vein, are, would you actually make a bet on either a Bama or an Ohio State, or would you just lay a price on them? Because you're seeing right around minus two fifty on those for those two programs specifically to make the college football playoff. Are you in the mind of, look, I know it's a, I'm laying a, a north of a two dollar price. Let me just lock it in though, instead of taking a shot on one of those two, and then I got to figure out once we get to the playoff how to either a hedge that out, or B, you're kind of riding it out, but it's by far from a, from a guarantee once you get to that point. I'll,
5: I will say this. I wouldn't bet Alabama. I think Alabama's the best team in the country, but we've seen them have a lot of dogfights in the SEC. I mean, the talent level in that conference is just so high. They lost to Texas A&M last year, should have lost the Iron Bowl. If Tank Bigsby goes down in bounds instead of going out of bounds... Alabama loses the Iron Bowl. They're not in the playoff at all. So they're a team that scares me a little bit, especially being in the stronger division from the SEC. Georgia's in the weaker division, but the East is getting better. Tennessee's a better team. South Carolina's a better team. Florida will have a better culture with Billy Napier. Um, Kentucky's still a solid team, even though they don't really have the talent to beat Georgia. I think Georgia's just fine. I think Georgia at 4-1 is not a bad play. If I'm taking anybody right now, and there were much better prices available earlier in the off season, it's Ohio State because the biggest glaring issue for the Buckeyes has been the defense, and they brought in Jim Knowles from Oklahoma State, who should absolutely fix that group. Now I don't know if it happens in season or if it's happened already throughout spring camp and fall camp and all that, but that defense will be a lot better. You're not stopping that offense. Nobody in the Big Ten is stopping that offense. It's just yeah. not going to happen. So. I think if you want to play, take positions on Ohio State and Georgia, it makes some sense. Alabama plays a difficult enough schedule in SEC
4: play that I would kind of shy away from them. You're shying away from Alabama. So you wouldn't even want to lay the uh, the north of $2 price there on them to make the college football playoff. You'd rather rather hold your money for something else. Uh, for Heisman, any? do you have any – Prevailing thoughts on that, where C.J. Stroud is your prohibitive favorite right now, plus 250. Bryce Young looking to potentially repeat, plus 350, and then you get a pretty significant drop-off. Only one other guy even in the single-digit tier with Caleb Williams going from Oklahoma to L.A. and USC. He's 7-1. to I mean, after that, it's just to take your pick, guys. I've seen a lot of love in the market for Will Anderson Jr., the Alabama linebacker. He's down to 20-1. to It'll be pretty amazing for a linebacker to win this award. B. John Robinson also right there at the 20-1. to
5: so if I was to take a look at anybody using the DraftKings numbers at least, and as always, shop around for the best price. I mean it's critically important in any market, but especially, you know, these futures markets where some sports books have different holds, theoretical holds and all that. Dylan Gabriel at thirty to one intrigues me at Oklahoma because Oklahoma has the chance to look really good in that conference. I think Baylor is still very strong, but I do worry about them a little bit offensively. Oklahoma State loses Jim Knowles, although they brought in Derek Mason, who's a a stalwart from the SEC. But I think Oklahoma State's a team that could fall off a little bit. Uh, Iowa State will fall off without Brock Purdy and Brees Hall. They've kind of been a thorn in the side of Oklahoma for a long time. Kansas State as well, but I don't really trust Adrian Martinez. Dylan Gabriel put up really good numbers at UCF. He's in an offense that should be familiar for him with Jeff Lebby from Ole Miss, who likes to play Mm -hmm. with tempo, likes to kind of play an explosive brand of offense. Dylan Gabriel has the chance to put up a really big season for an Oklahoma team that could very well be the fourth team in the playoff. I know the committee probably doesn't want to put him there because of their playoff history, but Gabriel may be able to put up big enough numbers to be in that discussion
4: when all is said and done. Thirty to one, and like I said, chop around some other numbers you can find there. I see both the Clemson quarterbacks are on this list, for what it's worth. Ugo Ugule is at thirty-five to one, and Cade Klubnik uh, at at sixty to one right now. And uh, I do know some very smart people that
5: have moved Klubnick's number down and yeah. have actually played it. He, he thinking wasn't thinking even that maybe in, he, he starts yeah, from day one. He wasn't
4: even in the vicinity when these were released, but Klubnik now, uh, as you as you point out, and if he wins that quarterback job. That number probably gets cut in half, just, just yeah. solely based on speculation. A team that is the – look, technically they are the fourth favorite to make the college football playoff, to be that fourth team in. Uh, and they are in a, in a conference that is fairly weak, all things considered, when you look at the teams around them in the ACC. So uh, if, you, if you believe kind of what you think, Adam, just on a pure number basis, I, I would get the, the Klubnik love. Not that I think he realistically wins that award. But that's at least a situation worth monitoring uh, there in Death Valley. Well, and,
5: and, I mean, look, they get NC State at home. Mm-hmm. They get Miami at home. So those are two things that help them. They do have to go on the road and play Notre Dame, I believe, here. But I have that game lined as a pick em, And if Klubnik was the starter, I'd probably have them favored in South Bend. So that's not, even though the price has gone down, that's still not a bad grab, especially because, as you said, they kind of have the inside track to the fourth spot. We
4: well, remember what happened when Julio started in uh, in South Bend, albeit much different circumstances, and Trevor Lawrence had uh, had COVID. But we'll let's see. That'll be that'll be very, very uh, intriguing to see what happens that quarterback battle in the preseason here uh, in Death Valley. Uh, while we've been talking about this, we've had a lot of homers hit around uh, around the diamonds here over the last five six minutes. We'll update all those. On the other side, we're going to update all the other additional scores as well. Uh, Why Tom Jack's going to help us with that as we roll into our final hour here on Primetime Action.
0: Beeson is here to help you learn more about sports betting. Sign up for our free daily newsletter at VEASAN.com forward slash email, and you'll get show highlights and expert insights every morning. That's VEASAN.com forward slash email.
2: New to Vicesin the best way to- New to Vicesin the best way to- New to V-Syn, the best way to- New to V-Syn.